0: Greetings. Al Kane's interviews for The Mind will begin after these messages. Sit tight. Don't think too hard.
1: Are you a true crime fan? A true crime lover? And you're searching for a new podcast to binge? You need to check out Grits with a side of murder. The host is Tammy, and she has a plethora of crazy co-hosts that join in with a dash of humor and a splash of alcohol. This is the kind of stuff you can only get from South Louisiana. And just because we're from South Louisiana, that doesn't mean those are the only crimes we talk about. We cover crimes worldwide. So check Grits out on any of the platforms where you listen to your podcast, or go to the website gritswithasideofmurder.com. Now tell your mom and them we said hey and go listen to Grits with a Side of Murder. Are you tired of eating out? Do you want to impress friends or a loved one? Well, the answer is simple. Learn how to cook amazing Italian food with Kevin Baraldo. Kevin's Italian, loves Italian food, and wants to teach you how to be a pro in as little as five lessons. It doesn't matter if you're a beginner, Kevin has made it so easy to learn how to cook some of Italy's best dishes. You can find Kevin's Italian cooking lessons by going to fiverr.com and searching Kevin Boraldo. That's Kevin B A R A L D O. Let me also tell you about the Choices We Make podcast. The Choices We Make is a bi-weekly podcast where hosts Emmy and Essie deep dive into the life-changing choices and decisions sometimes told in their guests own words. It's available on Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher and wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow the Choices We Make podcast on Twitter or Facebook at The Choices Pod, or on Instagram at The Choices We Make Podcast. Give it a listen.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, sit back, unwind. It's time for our canes. Interviews for the Mind.
1: all right two episodes in one week Al Kane's interviews for the mine I'm Al Kane on my last episode I I talked about how I've been getting such a good response on playing old interviews that I haven't released so I'm gonna do it again and I'll be back next week with all new interviews but right now I'm gonna play uh, an interview from about five years ago with the hilarious uh, Mark Norman now Mark then and now is one of the funniest stand-ups around. So smart, uh, such a messed up sense of humor, uh, younger Al was very excited to talk to him. Uh, at the time, I hadn't moved to L.A. yet, so we talk about L.A., my perception of L.A., and it's kind of funny. Anyway, here it is, Mark Norman, enjoy. How you doing, today, Mark? Hey, hey, living the dream. Now you're over in
0: Nashville right now, right? just got to nashville i'm hung over i'm wiped i'm gay i'm all over the road I uh, just flew in from
1: seattle do you like being on the road
0: uh well i don't know being on the road is like having a girlfriend you know part of it is great and the other part is hell uh the flights and the, the security and the check-ins and living out of a suitcase sucks but i like being in a different city i like not knowing anybody. I like the strangers. I like seeing shit. So that part's fun. But yeah, I mean, the, the travel by the airport makes me want to kill myself.
1: <laughs> I, I'd imagine it's a lot of alone time, which, you know, a lot of people hate, but I'm all about that.
0: I love alone time. I, I get all my work done. I sleep in. I even kind of meditate. It's, it's like a way to recharge.
1: Now, you, you've been living in, in New York for almost your whole career. As you're getting bigger and more popular... Are there any thoughts about making the move to L.A.? Uh, not really. I, I like L.A.
0: to visit, but I don't know if I'd want to live there. I just bought my apartment in New York, so I'm kind of stuck there for a while. But L.A. I like to visit. It, it makes it special and fun. I rent a car. I go to the beach. You know, I uh, I go to like Warner Brothers and do a Conan or something. But I don't know if I. If you live there, I feel like it would. It would. I would hate
1: it. I, I've never been there personally, and uh, me just being, like, a fat dude, I, I, I'm i beyond interested in the food there. I, I You know, I want to try In-N-Out Burger and, and Jack in a Box. Uh, I, I used to take the oh, show yeah, on the bro. road, and we used to go to places like York, Pennsylvania, and I'd just be happy that I get to eat at, like, a, a Krispy Kreme. Well,
0: where do you live in Kuwait?
1: You got <laughs> no uh, Jack in a Box? I'm, I'm in White Plains, uh, right next to New York. Oh! Which I don't think I there think. is anything like that around here, right?
0: No, I don't think, I mean, you got the city 45 minutes away, but yeah, I guess there's not anything fun in White Plains, but yeah, In-N-Out's amazing, great burger, cheap, it's quick,
1: I love it, and LA's got some great food. You're originally from New Orleans, were your parents originally from New Orleans too?
0: Uh, Yeah, they're born and raised uh, from New Orleans, and uh, yeah, I grew up there in the, right around the French Quarter, in a neighborhood called Treme, it was pretty dicey.
1: Living in New Orleans, what did that mean for your upbringing? Do you think it was different for most people?
0: Uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I had a the weirdest childhood. I grew up in a, in a dilapidated mansion um, in a poor black neighborhood, and we got mugged. Jeez, I don't know, like six times a year. And uh, I had a transvestite nanny named Enos, this giant black dude with a wig on. And uh, yeah, my bike got stolen all the time. I uh, was in French immersion in school. So, like yeah,
1: I had, a, I had a kooky childhood. So moving to New York really just couldn't scare you or anything. You're used to anything.
0: Yeah, yeah. New York, was it was a hard transition because I was broke and 22 years old. I got mugged three times in a year. Landlord died of AIDS. I got bed bugs. But I was so young and, and an alcoholic that I just kind of got through it.
1: Why are are people mugging you so much?
0: Well, I lived way out in Brooklyn uh, in a bad area, and uh, I was kind of a, you know, I was such a drunk, I would just
1: walk home at four in the morning, you know, bouncing off the walls, (laughs) and I think I was just a sitting duck. Were you doing any stand-up in New Orleans before you made the move to New York?
0: Yeah, I did about eight months or so. I didn't even make a year, I don't think, because there's so few, there's so few venues and, like, opportunities in New Orleans. It's not really a big comedy town. It's all about drinking and jazz and sports and bachelor parties and food. But uh, so there's not much comedy. We've had comedy clubs open and close. So I knew if I wanted to get any better, I had to just get the hell out of there and go to somewhere with a real
1: scene. What was the original plan? Because everyone has a plan in life before they decide – hey, I'm going to become a comedian. What, what did you originally want to do?
0: I had no plan. That's part of why I became a comic. I was so desperate. And then I was always like, I wish I knew what I wanted to do. I wish I had a, a goal. I thought all I needed was a goddamn goal. And I eventually just tried it, and I, it, it clicked. And I was like, well, I'm going 100% at this because this is all I have. I went to film school. Uh, That was something I thought, but then I realized that this is even more unrealistic than being a comic.
1: With this new generation of, like, young people trying out comedy, it feels like not only is there so many people doing it now, but it also seems like there's, like, this thought process that anyone can do stand-up. Where do you think that idea comes from?
0: I know it it bugs the hell out of me, but I, I get it, because on paper, you're standing alone on a stage with a microphone, you see Louis C.K., and you go, hey, this guy's bald and chubby and uh, redheaded and jerks off in front of people. I can do that, you know. But, you know, so then you get your Steve-Os and your Chris Catans and uh, Pauly Shores, and they're like, well, I have a name. I'm I'm a celebrity, so I can probably fill up a room. So there you go. That's a nice paycheck right there. And all I got to do is, what, 40 minutes, 45 minutes? Oh, man, what a job. I just got to work for that long? No problem. I'll just go from city to city, pick up a paycheck. But then these idiots go on stage. comedy is incredibly hard. It's way harder than, you know, acting because you got to write it. You got to perform it. You got to travel. You got to deliver it. You got to bomb. You got to hone. You got to rewrite. You got to tweak. So it's all these things that they don't want to do. And it's hard to do. And so they bomb it. So people don't go back and see them. So it's just a quick cash grab for them. So I get it, and I don't blame them. I blame the idiots who go out to see Pauly Shore.
1: <laughs> it, it, those are the people, I, I guess, that are just never seen real comedy, and they just they hear that name, and they're like, oh, I know him from Biodome. <laughs> I'll go see
0: him. Yeah, exactly. And people want to see a celebrity, and I get it. They assume, hey, the movies are funny. Uh, he'll be funny. But stand-up is such a different thing. It's all about your own point of view and you know uh, what's going on in your head and your life, and making humorous situations out of, you know, your your personality and all that. And these guys, they don't want to do that. Like stand up for, like, oh, you got to like explore who you are and all this shit, and find your voice. And they're
1: just like, oh, I'm the Weeze or I'm Steve-O and I want to take a shot out of my asshole or whatever it is. Can people learn to be funny, or does it take raw talent? I think you can learn the tricks and how to write a joke and set up and punch,
0: but it takes a real, I think it, there's an innateness in the real innate thing is seeing what's funny, like seeing something and being like, oh, that, that, there's something there, that's humor right there. Uh, I think that's the, the real gift. You know, when Jerry Seinfeld talks about the, the hair on the wall in the shower, we've all seen that a zillion times, but he found, he was the first one to be like, that's there's something there. That's comedy, and that's what you're not gonna get with Chris Kattan. I don't think he's really like <laughs> looking around and, and honing shit, and uh, you know, trying to find the, the humor in, in everyday stuff or even his own life. So I think that's the innate part is the, uh, the the being able to see comedy where no one else can. And I don't think they have that. So I think you can learn. It's just like you know basketball. You can learn the fundamentals, but you're not gonna be LeBron.
1: But what I love about your comedy is it feels so honest. Can that get you in trouble sometimes? Do you feel like your comedy is honest? Uh, yeah, I guess it's honest
0: enough. I mean, I have a couple jokes where I obviously heightened the ending to make it funny. You know, like Dom Herrera has that joke. Uh, I hate when people say, true story, true story. Well, who cares if it's true? Make it funny or whatever. <laughs> and I agree, you know, we're comics here. We're trying to be funny at the end of the day, but... Uh, yeah, I'm pretty honest. I I would never go up there and be like, Hey, I'm a millionaire, or I got a ten inch dong, or I'm uh, you know, twenty five. Yeah, I try to keep it somewhat true and just I right right what you're feeling, right what you know. You know, I'm anxious, I'm in therapy, I'm I drink too much, so I write about all that.
1: now, now there is the type of comedy where they are putting like a whole <laughs> facade on, kinda like the you know, the Larry the Cable guy or the Bobcat Goldweight type thing. Can you get into that type of comedy? Uh, I mean, if comedy is good, it's good, but, like, that's not really
0: my cup of jizz. Like, Larry the Cable Guy is, you know, that's just a character with a guy with no sleeves and who gives a fuck. That's, <laughs> there's a lot of that when you watch those characters. You're watching, like, who cares? What? What? Why do I give a shit? Um, but Bobcat was, I thought, he was funny. He's, he's completely dropped that whole character now. It's totally him, which is good.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But he's much funnier now than he was then, I think.
1: Do you feel like your normal everyday interaction is as honest as your stand up?
0: Oh god no. I mean uh, <laughs> I don't want to do anything during the day and so but you know it's part of life. You're cordial, you're you're you, know, you treat people like you want to be treated or whatever the hell. It's social norms. So yeah, I mean during when I'm on stage, I can I can go on stage and grab the mic and go, "Hey, look at the cleavage on this lady." And I would never do that. You know, at Walmart even though I want to.
1: When did you learn that? Was there a point in your career like, hey, I can get away with doing this stuff? This stuff is funny. I don't know. I think I think if you just go up a lot,
0: you just you just kind of start stripping away those fake things
1: about you, and you just you kind of find the real you, and uh, yeah, it just comes out. How does your comedy affect your relationship with people, or most of your friends, comedians? Uh, all my friends are comics. All my other friends, I've kind of like. Slipped
0: away from just because I moved to New York and they all live in New Orleans. But uh, yeah, they're all comics. Comics were we're a different breed. We gotta we stick together because we're weirdos. We're introverts. We are analytical. We're cynical. So yeah, we we stick together. But I think it's if you're friends with comics, you 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 never see each other because you're always busy on the road. But we all get it. We all text and we see each other see each other when we can. But yeah, it's definitely. It definitely puts a dent
1: in a, in a lot of relationships. Do you usually date comedians or the civilians, as some people say? No, I all, I'm all civilians. I don't want to date a comic. It's too much
0: too much uh, competition. And how did you get that? And I don't know. you got to, like, <laughs> I don't know. It, it's gross to me. It's like those uh, what is it, three-legged race where you tie one-legged. It feels like that. You know? Have you
1: tried it before?
0: No, but I've... Uh, I've I've had sex with many
1: comedians, and uh, that was enough. Could you ever stop being a comedian? Could, do you ever see yourself like, you know, maybe this is not for me. Maybe I'll do something else one day?
0: Nah, I think, it's, I think this is it. I mean, I, if I got a movie, like a big movie deal, or the only reason I would stop is if I just got too out of touch, and then I would probably go into real estate or something. But
1: yeah,
0: <laughs> at this point, uh, this, I've, this have you ever heard that happen? Me.
1: Have you ever heard of a person at your like stature, like just quitting going to real estate or the food industry? <laughs>
0: uh, never quitting going to real estate, but I know guys who they used to be a full-time comic and now they still do comedy, but they also do another thing. So you can do both, I guess.
1: Everyone at home, follow Mark Norman on Instagram and Twitter, and listen to the Tuesdays with Stories podcast available on iTunes. Mark, thank you so much for calling me, I, I really appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me there, buddy. And
0: uh, I appreciate you wanting to talk to me. Of course, man. Take it easy. Alright, have a go. one. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Al Kane's Interviews for the Mind. I truly hope you've learned something, idiots. This has been a Lughole Podcast.